Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. I'm sure you all enjoyed the home opener against Hawaii. It's been some time since we've been able to sit back, relax, and watch a blowout in the big house. It really was a great day. A star-studded affair featuring honorary captain Michael Jordan, a flyover during the national anthem, great weather, and of course what we all came to see, a dominant performance from this Michigan team featuring a record-setting day in which 17 freshmen saw the field for the first time. On today's show, we'll bask in the glow of the victory and take a look ahead at this week's opponent, the University of Central Florida Knights. Not much of a look, though. We'll save most of that for Thursday's Visitor's Edition with UCF Radio play-by-play voice Mark Daniels. In just a minute, we'll be joined by the angel of the big house, beat writer Angelique Schengelis from the Detroit News, with her thoughts on what we saw on Saturday. First, my view from Section 17 to get us started today. Everything about Saturday was darn perfect. I can't remember the last time I relaxed at a home game from the kickoff to the final whistle. I also can't remember seeing so many freshmen on the field during the course of a game. It was a Michigan record with 17 freshmen seeing their first action in the big house. An incredible performance to start the season, to be sure. At his Monday presser, Coach Harbaugh praised the offense, the defense, the coaching staff, the fans, and was, of course, very pleased with his team's efforts. There really wasn't much to find fault with. Injuries are something Jim doesn't talk about much, not in any great detail anyway. He said Brian Monet and Taco Charlton would not play this week. Monet had an MRI, and it appears the injury is to his knee. No word on when they'll come back. Jim said Peppers was one of the stars of the game. Mike McRae was outstanding. The running backs are growing and getting better. Grant Perry and Delano Hill also played big. And Wilton Spate was outstanding in his first start. Jim also took exception to ESPN's Ed Cunningham speculating that Jordan Lewis was sitting for disciplinary reasons. Jim said he was in over his skis making a comment like that. He said Jordan was working through an injury, just like Drake Johnson, Ben Braden, and several other players. No discipline issue there. 
He did say that Kareem Walker was not dressed and will be focusing on his studies for right now. Jim said when he gets his academic priorities in order, he will be back. So back to work the team goes as we prepare for week two and a visit from the University of Central Florida Knights. Before we get to Angelique, a reminder about the soon-to-be-released interactive app I've been telling you about for the last few weeks. It is a new sports app that is very different, very unique, and you interact with your favorite teams as the game is being played. There has never been anything like this. Before it hits the Google Play and iTunes stores, you can get more information and a sneak peek by emailing playitfirst at yahoo.com and include your cell number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com and make sure you include your cell number. In a few weeks, this app will be all the rage, so find out why. Angelique Shangelis has seen a lot of home openers as Michigan's beat writer, but she thinks Saturday's win was one of the most impressive she's ever witnessed. She joins me next on our game day segment here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us on our game day segment this week to take a look back at the big victory over Hawaii on Saturday and look ahead to this week's game with the University of Central Florida, which I don't know a lot about, but we'll talk about them anyway. Michigan beat writer Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News. Great to finally talk some football with you again, Angelique. Thanks, Mike. It's, a, it's great to be here. Start of the season. That's always a fun time, and uh, I, I always enjoy speaking with you, so thank you for having me on. Well, you're very welcome. And, of course, we had the big opener on Saturday, Angelique. And, and I think finally after, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years, it was probably the kind of opening day that Michigan fans were hoping for. I mean, even starting with uh, the honorary captain, Michael Jordan, being at midfield uh, with our captains. Derek Jeter was out there somewhere uh, with them, someone told me. But at any rate, uh, quite the spectacle, Angelique. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and Jeter was actually in town Friday night for a Nike uh, function out in Ann Arbor with Lamar Woodley. So he did decide to stay for the game. Charles Woodson was on the field. And, and really my favorite my favorite tweet after this game is Kenny Allen, who was on the field. He said it's the greatest photobomb ever. And, and Lamar and Charles and, and Derek and, and, and Michael Jordan are, in, are being photographed. And Kenny's like in the background, sort of. And so I thought, yeah, that sort of summed up what a funny, you know, really when you think about Harbaugh, the celebrity level has has just taken a huge leap. I mean, Russell Crowe is here with Lloyd Carr, but this is like they just keep coming in and 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 being part of this program, which is uh, just a side note, but kind of amusing when you think about all the associations that that Harbaugh has brought. Absolutely, it was a star-studded opening, and and the one thing that um, sort of sticks uh, with me from Saturday was when uh, Jim Hackett w- was introduced. And of course, when you think about it, all of these things that happened uh, have happened in the last year and a half, 
end with the opener on Saturday, there's the man that is so much responsible for so much of it. You're right. And and I actually ran into Jim before the game and um, he was out there with his brother who had, his older brother had played for Woody Hayes at Ohio State. And because they grew up in London, Ohio, near Columbus. And his father had also played at, at Ohio State. But, you know, he's wearing all his Michigan garb, his new Jordan gear. And he said, this is my favorite part. And he like points his foot and he's, he's showing off his trainers, his Michael Jordan trainers. He said, those are his <laughs> favorite thing. And and we were talking about this, about, you know, really seeing it all come to fruition. And, and he said that um, Hackett said that they were all out for dinner Friday night before the game with the Deerdorfs and Brandstatters. And um, they were enjoying a bottle of Charles Woodson's wine. <laughs> and he decided to text Charles because Charles was the person who really got this ball rolling. He's the one who had this idea texted Michael Jordan and that's where you know when Michael Jordan said yeah I'm interested that's when Woodson went to Hackett and and this is the the, the really how it's all worked and and you know Hackett was very you know very good to to give that credit obviously where it's due but you know he's he's such an unassuming man and I think everybody picked up on that and you know I he just he was enjoying it yesterday he's enjoying seeing what he did he's enjoying his new life working for Ford and and living in West Mich- Michigan again and also spending time on the West Coast. So, you know, I think I think everybody's happy with, with how, everything's, how everything has, has transpired. It was uh, very nice to see him honored during the game. And I don't know about you, Angelique, but when you looked around that stadium yesterday or walked into the stadium, those Jumpman shirts were everywhere. I felt bad. I was the only one in my section, I think, that did not have one of them on, but they were everywhere. Well, that was the funny thing that Hackett and I were talking about. Jim Hackett, I always say Hackett, and Harbaugh actually corrected me one time. He said, I call him Mr. Hackett. I'm like, okay, whatever, (laughs) Jim Hackett. Um, He was saying that he was sort of doing a little undercover work, and he was out at a store similar to the M-Den in West Michigan, and he's asking the salesperson about sales and she's like, you know, it's very popular. And then she lowered her voice and said, but it's very expensive. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you know, I don't know if you were out there on August 1st when the the big sale started 1159 doors open at the M den. I can't, I've never been to a black Friday sale after Thanksgiving, but I imagine it was something like that. And even the next day I went in the afternoon and it was still crazy and people buying the, uh, the Jordan gear and, yeah, I think pretty much you you were the only one in the entire stadium, I think. I mean, I don't know if you feel bad about that. I do. But, but it was even on the field, right? The band formed mm-hmm. a, a jump man on the field. So it's it's pretty much now completely linked to the football program. Absolutely. Well, I'll have to get with except it. Except with you. Yeah, except I, I, with except you. Except for me. I'm still wearing my uh, <laughs> uh, 2005 Rose Bowl uh, shirt yesterday. But uh, I'll get with it here in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> The game got underway, Angelique, and I guess the the one question all of us had uh, leading up to uh, Saturday's kickoff is who's going to be under center? And, of course, we found out um, not long before the game it was Wilton Spate. And other than that first pass, he settled down and looked the part, didn't he? He really did. And, and you know, really the, the rumbling you heard late in, in camp is that, that Wilton had really picked up where he left off at the end of spring where he kind of came out with an edge over O'Corn. And over Shane Morris, and you know, he—I uh, I had a nice conversation with his—his his, I call him his quarterback guru, his coach out mm-hmm. in California, Steve Clarkson, and and you know, he's worked with this kid for a long time, and he, he talked about working on his confidence this summer, and and that was what Wilton wanted to work on, and I thought, well, that sort of came in handy after that interception. I mean, he, you know, he could have dropped his head, he could have been morose, and I, I thought it was really interesting. 
hearing Jim Harbaugh say that he, he enjoyed it. You know, he enjoyed getting a very early glimpse at how Spate handles adversity. I mean, and, and what could be worse? Yeah, well, I guess it did get worse. After the interception, they start on the two-yard line. So, yeah. he, you know, it was a double whammy. And he really, I think Harbaugh really took a lot from watching him direct that long drive. And, you know, he responded with three touchdowns. And and then you know, because it was such a blowout, they, they moved on and, and got O'Corn and Morris and even Alex Malzone in at the end of the game. So, you know, all in all for the quarterbacks, I think it was, a, you know, this was the type of game I think we all expected, that you, you know, that, that all the quarterbacks would play. But, um, but yes, as far as Spade, I, I thought that, that he really, uh, he really, you know, what a disappointing way to start. And that's what everybody said. There's no way he imagined beginning his career as a starter that way. But, but wow, I mean, the way he, he came back was, I thought, uh, very impressive. I watched him after he threw the interception come to the sidelines because I wanted to see what interaction there was between Jim and Wilton. And when he got over there, Jim gave him a great big hug and you, you saw him talking to him. And I thought, very encouraging. I mean, hey, kid, you made the mistake. You're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that's exactly, uh, I mean, Wilton was very relaxed that next series coming back. He was. And, and I think, you know, it was, it, it sort of made me feel like when I talked before the game, I talked to Dan Deardorff in, in the radio booth. And I thought this was interesting, Mike, that, you know, and I think a lot of people would already think this without seeing as many preseason practices as, as Deardorff did. And he said it, it's the most athletic team that Michigan's fielded in, in the last, I mean, he said since the last couple teams Lloyd Carr had. So look, you know, that's going back pretty far. And, and I, you know, I started thinking about it and, and Spade is that kind of quarterback and he sort of has the presence of a Brian Greasy and his smarts and his confidence and, and maybe he's sort of size wise, kind of like Navarre, but he's got more mobility. And, you know, I think he's that sort of prototypical drop back passer that, that everybody got used to seeing Michigan have uh, in the, in the Lloyd Carr era and before that. And, you know, I think that that's, that's, kind of what I was thinking about after talking to Deardorff and then watching Spade. And, and I thought this sort of felt familiar and, and all these years I've covered Michigan football. I think that, that when I, when I say that it goes back about 10, 12 years where you saw this kind of quarterback running an offense. I would call him a thinking man's quarterback. He just yes. seems very cerebral. He takes what the defenses give him very calm. And that goes a long way in the huddle with your teammates. He doesn't get up or down he just looks like the kind of quarterback his coach would like. Absolutely, and and look, I mean, Mike, I'm I'm, I'm cautioning myself from from thinking, oh, Wilton Spate's the next next coming because they played Hawaii. I mean, I want to see what he does against the you know, even coming up. I mean, Colorado looked like a, the real deal, and and playing once the Big Ten starts, seeing how he reacts in that those, those situations. But yeah, you know, everybody talks about having a game before the season, and to me, this felt like like a game before the season really starts for Michigan. And, and that's what he needed to get comfortable. And, and I think Michigan fans probably got, like you said, you got a good feel for who he was in two quarters. And, and the thinking man quarterback, I think, is, is a great description of Wilton Spade. He is a very bright guy and carries himself so, so well. And, and Steve Clarkson called it presidential. And, <laughs> you know, and part of it's, I think, because he's like 6'12", you know, he's just so <laughs> tall. And, and he carries himself so, so much above everybody else because he is, but because he's got his shoulders back. And uh, I think that, that that means a lot when your quarterback's like that. And, you know, we talk about thinking man quarterback. I mean, I, I thought Brian Greasy was a thinking man's quarterback, mm-hmm. such a smart guy. And, 
and was able to do what he did because he's a smart guy and he understood what the defenses were giving him and what he had to work with. And um, I think Wilton Spate, it could be, you know, again, it was one game, but I, I think that he uh, he definitely acquitted himself very well. Well, it was one game and it was a, a nice way to start the season. The offense, you know, basically did what it wanted to do all day. <laughs> The most amazing thing to me, I didn't realize it as I was watching the game, 16 true freshmen got playing time in that game, which in itself at Michigan is simply an amazing thing, Angelique. It is. I mean, I, you know, and, and sometimes I wonder if I don't believe Jim Harbaugh when he talks, you know, during he kept saying, oh, you know, upwards of 18, 20 players, 20 freshmen could play. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. And then they just kept appearing on the field. And I thought, oh, well, maybe he was actually being completely honest about that. And um, and, he, and then I thought about it. He really hasn't hidden much about the freshman. He's talked about Chris Evans. He's talked about Michael Owenu. I've been really working on trying to say his name. And, and certainly everybody knew about Rashawn Gary and, and Ben Bredesen. So he's not really been hiding talking about these freshmen. But I, I, I guess I was just stunned because, I, I mean, like you, I – I've never seen that many on the field. No. I mean, it was a record, and um, it was pretty neat to see. And, and, you know, I was thinking about people were really up in arms, not everybody, but a lot about Kirk Herbstreet a couple weeks ago. I had asked him on a call about about Michigan and the hype, and he said, I think they're a year away, and, and partly because of the schedule. But I think he also thinks that, that Jim Harbaugh is a terrific recruiter and the staff's recruiting well and, and kind of had a good feeling about this talent that he's bringing in. And and saying, look, I mean, it's a tough road schedule at the end of the season. Next year, these freshmen, even though they're going to be freshmen sophomores next year, they're going to be really good, and they're going to get a lot of experience this year. So, um, so I was sort of looking at what Herbstreit said in, in that light too, watching them play yesterday. Like you, I heard Jim Harbaugh talk about some of these kids, but you don't know until you actually, you know, see that. Chris Evans, though, uh, what we saw from him was something I don't know that we've seen in a while from a Michigan running back, and that's the ability to take it to the end zone really fast. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was impressive. And talking to him afterwards, and, and Harbaugh said he's a special kid. I mean, he's, he can do a lot more than, than, what anybody, than what anybody saw on Saturday. And, and he was like, yeah, I run really good routes, and, and too. So, I mean, Harbaugh said he, he can catch out of the backfield. And, I mean, he's the, the first freshman – to rush for more than 100 yards in his debut since uh, Chris Perry and, and Walter Cross was the last one before that. So this is not the norm. And, you know, he was he was such a nice, nice young man afterwards, too. And, you know, wears glasses. I was asking him about that because I just think it's sort of funny when you have a running back doing mm-hmm. what he does, wearing glasses. And and uh, he was, he's, he's farsighted. <laughs> he wears contacts <laughs> during the game, although he hates it. And he was just so... Uh, naive too i mean he had he had a crowd around him after the game like a quarterback normally does and and we were just chit-chatting afterwards i said are you used to this and he's like oh oh no not at all <laughs> and i mean i like he he was just he was just a kid and you realized that he was a kid who's capable of doing a lot of very good things and and i don't think harbaugh is going to keep him from doing a lot of those very good things early in this season well another freshman that we had heard was fast was Eddie McDoom. And of course the crowd <laughs> loved uh, uh, chanting doom, doom, doom yesterday when he had the ball, but 
he had his moments, and he, too, looks like one of these kids who's going to be very explosive. I agree, and, and not, and I'm not saying that because I think his name is so cool. I mean, <laughs> I thought that was, you know, I guess, what was it last year was Huma, and now they got yeah. McDoom. And, uh, no, he's, I, you know, this is this is what I'm saying about the recruiting that they're doing. I think that they're bringing in that kind of, um, you know, dare I say it, that SEC, SEC level kind of speed. I mean, that, that, that these guys are difference makers, and, and that's what they need. They don't have to run a crazy offense. They don't have to, to do something wacky and, and run a spread, but they've got these, these pieces to the puzzle that are, are quick and very good very quickly. And, and really, Mike, to a, I mean, I was talking to so many of the, the veteran players over the last few weeks and just talking about generally speaking, the freshmen who are coming in are just, they said body type. They're more like, like sophomores at the end of the sophomore season. So they're, they're physically different already when they come in, they're already advanced physically and they've already got a, 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 I mean, a better handle on technique and playbooks than they did before. Maybe it's because of all the summer camps, but um, I was talking to a couple of the offensive linemen and Eric Magnuson in particular talking about Ben Bredesen. And he just said, wow. I mean, he said the, the way he handles tech, he's got his handle on technique. He said he's way better than he was when he came in. And uh, so I think you're seeing that across the board with these freshmen. They're just ahead of the game already. Well, and aside from Chris Evans and Eddie McDoom, we finally got to see Rashawn Gary log big minutes in the second half. And, and, and help me with this. I heard you say you were working on his name too, Michael and Wenu. Well, now I said that too. And then I was talking to Deerdorf about him because Deerdorf thinks his eyes lit up when we started talking about him. He saw him a lot in practice and just thinks, you know, he said he is literally the immovable object, oh. but he has it on his card that it's written out phonetically, O when you. O when you. Yeah, you don't say the N. It's O when you. O when you. I'll have to work on that. But we just have to practice. <laughs> he played on both sides of the ball, Angelique. <laughs> he did. Where I'm like, well, I was asking the sorts of information about when was the last time somebody did that? Because I, I can't remember anybody doing that. We were all sort of scratching our heads. But um, Mason Cole, the center, was his roommate in the summer. And during camp, I'm I'm sorry, and um, he was just like, wow, it was just so cool to see him do both. And um, you know, when I talked to Greg Madison, when we spoke to Madison earlier this week uh, before the game, he, uh, he you know he loved having him on defense. And I said, well, I mean, you know, you talked about you wanted Tyrone Wheatley Jr. Are you going to ask for him? And he goes, oh, I you know I can't do that. The head coach puts him where he wants. And I said, well, would you want him? And he goes, I love Michael Owenu. So. He would certainly love to keep him on that side, and I don't think Tim Drevno is going to let him go, um, not full-time, but he is, I mean, he is like, you don't need binoculars to find him on the field. He's gigantic. Mm-hmm. 380 pounds. And I watched him, just, the way he moves, he, he's got he's great nimble. Feet. Yes. Yes. He is, he is uh, cl- the classic big guy who's light on his feet. I, I find him, honestly, I find him the most fascinating you know, he's not a skill position guy, but I find him absolutely fascinating. I think he's going to be a guy going forward who is going to just be unbelievable. We learned that we have a lot of talent, a lot of speed. What was my takeaway from that game on Saturday? It was that youth is going to be served this year. Oh, I think so, too, Mike. I mean, I really do. I, and it's there's no fear here in the coaching staff. I mean, when they say they don't have a problem playing anybody, doesn't matter, you know, how much experience they have, they truly mean that. And and I, I think that, that they really got a lot of good film from this game on, on 
Saturday. They've got a good feel for how good these guys are in, in game, uh, game speed. And, um, you know, I, I think that obviously they're the vets, you know, there's Chesson and Darbo. I mean, they're, they're obviously the mainstays, Jake, but, you know, it's, it's, there's not going to be talking about a crazy departure from the veterans, but it is, it is, the youth is served and it's going to be fascinating to watch and, and see how they handle things once it uh, really, you know, I'm not going to say that when the season kicks in, but you know what I mean? When the mm-hmm. big 10 really kicks in and, and the, the team, the opponents get a little tougher. With us here on our game day segment this week as we uh, recap the game, the big opener against Hawaii on Saturday is Angelique Shangelis from the Detroit News, singling out a couple of other players who I thought were just outstanding on Saturday. Mike McCray, he was all over the mm-hmm. field, and I don't want to uh, short his counterpart, Ben Gedeon. McCray was everywhere. He was. I mean, he had uh, he had a couple sacks. I think what, he had uh, three and a half tackles for loss, four tackles for loss, and and, you know, that was one thing that Don Brown said in, in spring ball is that, that his defense doesn't put that much pressure on, on the linebackers. They're, they're not, not going to baby them. They're not going to protect them. But it's, you know, they, the way he's got it schemed, the linebackers are going to be okay. And I think because that was a big issue coming into the season, as everybody knows. And, um, you know, that was the weak link of this defense that's, that's so good. And, I agree. I mean, I thought I thought Murray was was excellent. Uh, I thought Gideon was excellent. And Peppers, hmm. you know, I'm not ready to call him a linebacker. <laughs> I mean, no. I just think he's, uh, you know, he even said he's an athlete. I mean, I, I'm I'm not sure what else to call him, but he was all over the place as well. But I, I think that this was proof that what everybody says about McCray is when he's healthy, he's he can be outstanding. That other linebacker, Jabril Peppers, and you're right, I look at him and think, wow, he looks small when he's up there uh, right on the line of scrimmage. Then after the snap, he's in the backfield, and I started to wonder, is anyone mm-hmm. blocking this guy? <laughs> I don't know. Why don't you go try to do it? Get down your non-Jordan shirt and go down there and see what you can do. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that watching him on Saturday was, to me, evidence that the guy is is definitely aware of all his you know, not that he's playing for that, that he's, you know, there's a lot of hype about what he can do and what he can do at the next level. And I think he knows that. And I think he knows how good he is and, and what his expectations are in this defense. I mean, Don Brown's, you know, they're all salivating about how, how they can use him in so many different ways. And, and I thought we got a chance to see that against Hawaii. And he is going to be all over the place and unstoppable. I really. agree with that, too. And I think we're going to have plenty of opportunity to uh, to talk about him as the uh, season progresses. He's just getting warmed up right now. You know, I expected this win, Angelique. Uh, but the offense was so efficient and the defense is dominating, maybe more dominating than uh, I thought, even though. Hawaii had to be one tired football team. I, I get tired just thinking about their schedule in the last week and a half. That said, this was as close to flawless as you can get in an opener. Oh, I agree. And I'm tr- I was trying to think of a, a game that, that reminded me of this. And you know, I have to really <laughs> think back. But um, talking to the, there was a, a Hawaii beat writer who was in town. And, and after the game, we were walking up and and he, they really do like Rolovich, their new coach. And I mean, played played at Hawaii. He's got a young staff, mostly guys who played at Hawaii and uh, Kevin Lempa, who was at Boston college with Don Brown. So he's the older guy on the staff. He had been defensive coordinator at Hawaii before. And he, this writer said, look, they, Hawaii knows they, they have to play these body bag games. They have to travel. They have to collect a lot of money and, and try to get the program righted. And I guess the general consensus is that that's the way things are going with Hawaii that it's it's definitely on the uptick, even though they're not going to see it on the field more than likely right now. But 
Uh, he said they're immensely popular in Hawaii. They get a lot of people in the stands. But but beyond that, I mean, yes, you're right. No, I don't think anybody expected Michigan to do to do anything less against Hawaii. I just don't think anybody, like you mentioned, Mike, expected them to do as much. And you know, the one thing, the one, the one player we didn't see anything, for at least in the put in punting, was Kenny Allen. Like, right. oh, okay, is he really going to punt? I mean, are they going to punt today? <laughs> so maybe they'll punt by game three. Devion Smith reportedly uh, injured his ribs. Did mm-hmm. you hear much said about exactly what happened to him after the game? No, I mean, Harbaugh said he was fine. He said that, that he came back. He was on the field in the second half, and um, he could have played if they needed him, but he bruised his ribs and and is fine. And uh, I believe Tacos was, um, I'm trying to think, it was a left ankle, I think, when I was watching through the uh, binoculars. Monet was the one that, that uh, Jim was not as, specific about you know said he needs an MRI and, and wouldn't say an MRI on what so I, I that one was left I think feeling he felt a little less positive about his uh his diagnosis or prognosis based on how he reacted to it the other the other two he seemed to be you know pretty upbeat about that they were not serious injuries and and the guys who were missing like Jordan Lewis and and uh Hurst and um now it's escaping me the third player um, you know, I think that, uh, oh, Ben Braden, pardon me, um, that those are all, they were all dealing with nagging injuries and, and should be there. He said they're close and, and probably will play on Saturday in this upcoming game. Oh, good. And then when it comes to Brian Monet, I just hope that the MRI, is, oh. uh, you know, you think what this kid went through almost making it to last season and then the injury and rehabbing for so long. It just, uh, it makes you sick to even think about that. It does. And I mean, in this, this guy, Brian Monet is like complete sunshine in the, in the, in the body of a football player. I've never seen anybody smile as much as he does and enjoy life every minute. Like he does. And like nothing brings him down, but yeah. you know, I'm sure these are the kinds of things that test somebody like that. And, and you're sorry to see anybody go through it, but but certainly someone like Brian Monet, who, like you said, Mike, I mean, he's worked so hard to get back. And, you know, I don't want to I don't want to guess at what's going on. It's just that he that Harbaugh was not clear and, and he didn't have a I don't think he knew for sure. But, um, you know, they were going to get an MRI last night. So I think uh, we'll probably know something on Monday at the at the press conference. Next Saturday at the Big House, the University of Central Florida Knights, and I know uh, Michigan fans know absolutely nothing about them. And I, as you and I were discussing before we started taping, it's hard to find uh, anything uh, out about uh, this team. We do know a few things about them. Uh, they beat South Carolina State on Saturday, thirty-eight to nothing, and the fans uh, were excited about that. Their new head coach is Scott Frost, who uh, was uh-huh. a coach—not a coach, I'm sorry—but a quarterback at Nebraska. Uh, again, we don't know much about these guys other than maybe what we got to see a little bit on Saturday, but it appears here comes another uh, high-octane spread offense that uh, doesn't huddle and uh, will just keep coming at you. Well, and that's why why I think that this defense is the designed the way that uh, that certainly Greg Madison wanted wanted to see it designed and, and Don Brown. I mean, they're going to be able to, again, I mean, I, you have to wait and see how Charlton and, and uh, Monet are, but they do have a lot of bodies on the defensive line. They can rotate a lot and, and it is, it is designed to handle that kind of offense and, and to be able to be fresh and to rotate guys in like a hockey ship, uh, pardon me, a hockey ship. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's, 
that's what that we will see that a lot on Saturday. And I just I thought the one interesting thing I did see, and, and you probably read this too, is is it's been 639 days since uh, Central Florida's last win before Saturday's win. And yeah. I thought, wow, I mean, that, that's sort of mind-boggling when you think about it in, in that way. And um, But again, I mean, you know that Harbaugh's not telling them that. I mean, they can't think about things that way. And, and think that, same thing with Hawaii, you can't go in thinking that these are just nothing teams and you can do whatever you want. And And you're right. I mean, Central Florida is going to bring that kind of offense and, you know, kind of this, well, I guess, swashbuckled uh, that they were describing as swashbuckling. And, and we'll see how, you know, see how the defense responds to that, because I think that'll be a better test. I think that's what Greg Madison wants to see. Well, I think so, too. And, you know, as you mentioned, over 600 days uh, since their uh, last victory <laughs> in the last decade, they've had some pretty darn good football teams there. But, yeah, the last two years have really been rough. But they have some speed. They have some talent when you look at some of the preseason uh, magazines. But again, uh, as compared to Hawaii on on a talent level, I don't know. I don't think we'll know until Saturday. But being realistic, this is the kind of game that should be great for Michigan in the sense you, you go out and just get to business and should be able to get, again, a lot of these young players on the field. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think that's what Jim wants to do. And and not to mention uh, Michigan's rival, but that's what Urban wants to do at Ohio State. I mean, he, you know, Ohio State's got a lot of young players and a lot of players who haven't played yet. And I, I think that they understand now that you just it's not because of 85 scholarships and all that anymore. It's about you just have to get the best guys on the field. And and I think that Jim Harbaugh knows that a lot of his best guys are, are freshmen. And they and they will be the best guys at some point. Maybe not this year. I mean, maybe McEddie McDoom and – you know, Chris Evans, maybe those other guys, the, the veteran backs and receivers will be, you know, the guys that that are really going to emerge at the end of the season and, and be the stalwarts. But um, this is when you do have to play those guys. And this is when you get your backup quarterback some time, too, and, and, and let him get acclimated just in case. And um, I think that's the luxury of a – it's not a great home schedule. There's, you know, I don't think anybody can argue it's it's a great schedule, but – that is the beauty of something like this is getting these people and these players in. Final thought, though, Angelique. Watching that postgame presser, you were right there yesterday. Uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh seemed very relaxed to me, uh, and he should have been. He just looks like he is so confident uh, the way he answered questions. You just get the feel he has a sense that we can compete with any team on our schedule this year. I'm not worried. Oh, absolutely. And and really, when you think back about the to the opener last year at Utah, and they lose that game, and I really wonder because you know no one had experienced Harbaugh in a post game press conference. And again, he was even after that loss, he was positive. He was upbeat for the most part. And, and not, but this was different. You know, this you're right. I mean, he he definitely carries himself like a, a coach who knows that he's got a lot of good pieces here and knows how to use them, and feels good about his starting quarterback, I think. I really uh, took that from, from his post-game conversation and was really, really complimentary of the defense and, and just on on their perfection, really, and alignment and everything. I mean, just, you know, and, and gave the credit to Don Brown, who is, is that kind of exacting coordinator, and um, I think all the coaches are. I'm not trying to single him out, but um, he did seem like a guy who was very confident. And, and look, I mean, it's Hawaii. You're not supposed to let a team like Hawaii into the game, right? You're supposed to, you're supposed to beat them badly. And, and when you've got that opportunity and, and, 
and they did. And you know, nothing wrong with that. It's not a running up the score kind of thing. That's just your your offense and defense clicking after that first interception, uh, really making the most of it. A nice opening win. Uh, that's I think what we can say in the end. And then now we look forward to uh, UCF coming up on Saturday and see what happens next. Our guest here on our uh, game day segment this week as we've been recapping what we saw against Hawaii in the opener and looking ahead to UCF, a team we don't know much about, but we'll find out about on Saturday. Has been well, it's a noon game. We well, know that. Right. And we know last week's game was just over three hours. So these are these are good things. Uh, they are. I think we all know more <laughs> about their head coach uh, than the rest of the team, but we'll learn, we'll, That's right. we'll learn fast on Saturday and it'll be fun. Michigan beat writer Angelique Shangelis from the Detroit News. It's always a pleasure, Angelique, and we look forward to your next visit later this season. Oh, I look forward to it, Mike. Thank you, and uh, and have a wonderful holiday. Short, but have a good holiday. Thank you, and you do the same, Angelique. Quick Hits is next as we wrap up the Michigan Man Game Day Edition here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. On Quick Hits today, thanks to the angel of the big house, Michigan beat writer Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News for being our guest. This week is a first for Michigan. The University of Central Florida will pay a visit to the big house for a first-ever meeting with the Wolverines. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, we'll learn more about this team when we are joined by their radio play-by-play voice, Mark Daniels. We also will have an injury update and some game-day facts about this first-ever meeting. So make sure you tune in on Thursday. Like us on Facebook at The Michigan Man Podcast and follow us on Twitter at The Michigan Man, where you can also follow Wolverine Sports Radio at Go Blue Radio. Our free show apps are available from Google Play and the iTunes Store. And this month we join the team at iHeartRadio. It's going to be an exciting season, so make sure you join us each Thursday. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to review or comment on the show. You can also call me with your maize and blue thoughts at 313-263-4842 or email themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. A reminder about the soon-to-be-released interactive app that I've been telling you about now for the last month. It is a new sports app that is very different, very unique, and you interact with your favorite sports team while the game is being played. There has never been anything like this. Before it hits the Google Play and iTunes stores, you can get more info and a sneak peek. Email playitfirst at yahoo.com and include your cell number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com and make sure you include your cell number. In a few weeks, this app will be all the rage. Find out why. That will do it for our game day edition. I'll be back on Thursday with UCF radio play-by-play voice Mark Daniels on our visitors edition. So make sure you join us for that. Until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. 
The Michigan Man podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!